0: Hi friends, I am Liz of Make Out Already Podcast, and I am burdened with glorious purpose. On this episode, we're discussing the MCU series Loki on Disney+. We talk about the ships and representation, or lack thereof, on the show, and we use it as a springboard to talk about taboo in romance. And we also throw in some more colorful Norse mythology. As we discuss on the episode... Taboos are super personal, and triggers are as well, so please note that we're going to touch on all sorts of touchy subjects. So if you want to skip this episode or bow out after the shipping discussions, we understand and support you knowing what's best for you. With that being said, we've listed everything we've talked about, so if you'd like to do any research into the books we discuss, we hope it'll be helpful. And this is kind of a duh thing, but this episode is probably even more NSFW than our usual content. Without further ado, spoilers ahead. Excelsior! Hey Meg. Hey Liz. I'm very excited that you agreed to do this. You know, you did the Twilight retrospective for me,
1: so this is
0: the least I can do. I, I was about to say this <laughs> is this is payback <laughs> for that because we're going to talk about two of my favorite things, the MCU and taboos. And we're specifically going to do it through the lens of the show Loki and the different ships. I want to touch a little bit on the controversy, not so much about the big ship in the show, but kind of related Mm -hmm. to the ship in the show, which is Loki's gender fluidity, which is canon in the comics and was dropped as an easter egg for this show and ended up not being the kind of representation that people were hoping for and also mm-hmm. loki's queerness
1: we do love to see it we do but we there's the gay shit. much of it
0: <laughs> yes <laughs> i was very excited i'm like there is the gay shit right there and it ended up being just a line of dialogue right yeah the so line uh quick synopsis recap if you have no intention of watching the show or you don't mind spoilers or you just need a refresher since it's been a few weeks so loki is an mcu show on disney plus it takes the post avengers loki who we saw steal the tesseract in avengers endgame and drops him at the time variance authority the tva are these time cops who capture and prune anyone steps outside what they have deemed the sacred timeline because they want to pruning prevent a multiverse Is like a very benign euphemism for what they do <laughs> yes how would you describe the, the pruning process
1: they jab them with an electric pokey stick and they melt disintegrate into ashes and they re
0: on a doom planet mm-hmm it's dire yes (laughs) so anyone who steps outside the sacred timeline it can be through a very minor event like you turn left when the TVA wanted you to turn right Doctor Who reference right there (laughs) causes what's called a nexus event and there is a particular Loki variant who is causing chaos and killing all these time cops so a bureaucrat at the TVA, played by Owen Wilson, an unrecognizable Owen Wilson. It took me several trailers to realize who that was. He looks he, great. He does. It is working for him, <laughs> and it is working for me. <laughs> so there's kind of like a buddy cop yeah, uh, dynamic with Loki and Mobius, and... They prefer
1: to interpret it as sexual tension.
0: Yeah, I I have thoughts about this, but they're (laughs) hunting down this variant who turns out to be a woman version of Loki who goes by the alias of Sylvie. She was snatched by the TVA as a child, so her life's purpose is to take them down. The Lokis form this unlikely alliance. All these catastrophe shenanigans ensue, And we meet more Loki variants, including an alligator. At the end, we find out that the TVA, the man behind the curtain, is a variant of the Marvel character King the Conqueror. And he set up the TVA because there had been a multiverse before. He discovered it. Some versions of him were real bad dudes. And he's like, I'm just going to axe the rest of these timelines and just keep them from resurfacing. Right. So he says if they kill him things are going to get a lot worse. Sylvie does it anyway. Loki didn't want her to. She pushes him through a time portal to prevent any further discussion about her plans, but not before giving him a kiss that is the subject of a lot of debate Mm -hmm. and The series, or the season, because there will be a season two, ends with him landing in an alternate version of the TVA where Mobius does not remember him. And it's clear that the multiverse has officially come to the MCU and that Kang the Conqueror is here. Well done. Thank you. So I think about the three MCU shows that we've gotten so far. WandaVision, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and Loki. And how they all touched on something that was completely unexpected. So, what do you mean? So, the big theme of WandaVision is grief. Mm -hmm. The big theme of Falcon and the Winter Soldier is race and social inequities. And the big theme of Loki, which maybe this is because I come from a background of religious trauma. I didn't Hmm. pick up on it until people pointed out that Loki is about religious trauma and indoctrination. And what now? Yeah. Well, think about it because they, the TVA, they have always believed that they are working for this higher purpose and they don't Mm -hmm. question it. And it turns out to be a lie. And they do all these terrible things because they believe that there is a higher calling that wills it to be so. Right.
1: Loki also talks about glorious purpose quite a mm-hmm. bit.
0: Yeah. So to me, I look at those themes and I think WandaVision exposed all of our trauma and mental illness. Yeah, yeah. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier exposed how society really is trash <laughs> and yes. how we resent that but also buy into it right and loki revealed to us that we are all perverts (laughs) is that
1: tied into the religious trauma theme um no
0: but maybe
1: um before we dig into it more would you rank those shows for moi
0: okay wandavision is number one I have not stopped thinking about that show since it aired, and it's been months. Loki is number two, but The Falcon and the Winter Soldier is a close three. I think the where The Falcon and the Winter Soldier loses points is that it is very clear that they had a, an entire discarded plot line because of COVID. So, oh okay, so the um, it felt a bit cobbled together. Yes, exactly. Mm. Uh, but it regained some points because it stars Sebastian Stan, the internet's <laughs> baby daddy, Sebastian Stan. Although the Loki stands, who okay. they're showing up in force. <laughs> okay. So I'm upset because the hashtag that I see for Tom Hiddleston fans is Hiddlestoners. It should be Hiddle Stands.
1: Oh, yeah, what a missed right?
0: opportunity. <laughs> the best fandom name for an MCU actor is for Benedict Cumberbatch. They are the Cumberbitches.
1: <laughs> I saw a video once of him reacting to learning that that's like the name of his followers.
0: He did not know what to do with this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. This you is what i expect. This is getting off track. But one of my favorite things about Benedict Cumberbatch is you can look up compilation videos of press junkets where he was always paired up with Tom Holland, who is notorious uh-huh. for spoiling shit. And right. Benedict very calmly and gracefully interrupt Tom and bring the interview conversation back to more neutral territory so that Tom doesn't spill something that he shouldn't. Uh- And it's (laughs) glorious. It's like they took this, you know, highly critically acclaimed actor and they're like, okay, so you're going to babysit this (laughs) 20-year-old. Oh, I like that. (laughs) Okay, so you've only seen Loki so far, right?
1: I've only seen Loki. I have some interest in watching WandaVision. I have very little interest in watching The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki was very much medium for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I did watch it every week as it came out and stayed with it, but I I just left each episode feeling like a little bit disappointed. Like I just wanted Mm. it to be a little bit more than it was.
0: Okay. I feel like you're with a lot of people who felt that way, especially about the ending. I love the show and- I, I think that it could have benefited from being three episodes longer.
1: Yeah, I'll, I agree with that.
0: So, and going, going into a bit more development, maybe. And it we all thought that it was going to be kind of like the MCU's Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. And there were hints of that, but they didn't go fully in that direction. I think that if the show had had a slightly longer run, then they could have. So it was it was referencing a lot of different things within the sci-fi fantasy genre.
1: Right. I think my main beef is that I'm I wasn't as invested in the relationship that I was supposed to be invested in. Mm-hmm. And I think that they were kind of relying on that to really keep us, you know, string strung along. But I honestly felt that the Loki Mobius relationship had more chemistry than the Loki Sylvie relationship.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Personally, I mean, I will never forget the tie tightening
0: <laughs> moment. Seared in my brain. Grilled <gasps> marks three. in my brain. <laughs> okay, so tell me about Loki and Sylvie versus Loki and Mobius. So Loki
1: and Mobius have this very easy rapport and banter that is just so darling. Mm -hmm. And I just did not get any chemistry between Loki and Sylvie. Like I understand that they are versions of each other essentially. So they have a lot of shared uh, outlook, Mm -hmm. if not experiences And they, at least Loki sees parts of himself or the way that he wishes he could be in her. Um, And everyone's like, oh, is it incest if they're variants of each other? I'm like, no, it's masturbation for me. But um, that's neither here nor there. You met
0: a hot version of yourself. You wouldn't fuck yourself. Come on. I I mean, mean, if anyone says,
1: yeah, they're liars. (laughs) If they say
0: no. (laughs) Um. So, yeah, I don't know. Did, did you feel the, the chemistry? Were you invested? I felt the chemistry, but my interpretation of Loki and Sylvie, I was shocked as hell that they were going in that direction because I thought there's no way that Disney's going to pull that off. They're cowards. It would make <laughs> sense to me because I feel like someone as narcissistic as Loki would fall in love with a version of himself. Sure, that absolutely so, tracks. So I thought, like, yeah, Loki as a character, as an archetype, that would totally happen. I don't think Disney is going to go in that direction. And then they did. What I thought they were going to do, what I think now in hindsight they should have done, mm-hmm. is have, okay, there's a scene in Arrested Development that got heavily memed with Loki with Loki and Sylvie talking and it was of uh, Will Arnett's character Job and Ben Stiller's character who had a cameo they were rivals and (laughs) Will Arnett's character says I have feelings for you and Ben Stiller says I have feelings for you and the narrator says the feeling was friendship so (laughs) I don't think that Loki or Sylvie know friendship and they were experiencing it for the first time. And that can feel a lot like love when you are neglected, when you don't let people in, when you don't allow yourself to be vulnerable, when your vulnerabilities have been punished by people before. Right. So I thought that that was the way that they were going. There's one scene that I think about all the time and I never see anyone talking about, which is after Loki and Sylvie come back to the TVA and they're captured, they're separated, and then they are brought back together in the same room. They're still being restrained by TVA um, Minutemen. Mm-hmm. And Sylvie just kind of like looks over at Loki and whispers to him like, you okay? In this really tender way, like she is so concerned, she just wants to check in with him, and he can't answer because he just saw Mobius get pruned. Yeah, and Mobius ended up being okay, but that felt to me like that is love, that's not romance, right? Yeah, and I think that maybe it is. I think they unfortunately went in the romance direction but it's one-sided. I don't think that Sylvie feels what Loki feels, but I think that she knows it and was using it. And maybe she was thinking, maybe I could let this happen. Maybe this would be a good thing. But in the end, she's always going to choose the mission.
1: Which I can respect. So if they try to reframe it as this pure romance that she's been like denying her feelings or what, whatever, that will make me lose more respect for the
0: show yeah um you know i gotta bring in the tiktoks so please do the best tiktoker for wandavision was nikki marina the best she does these incredible skits and her wandavision ones were truly excellent the best tiktok analysis for the falcon and the winter soldier was straw hat goofy and the best who hosts the Geeks of the Week podcast with another TikToker, Megan, a.k.a. Jay Stoobs. I'm going to put all these handles in the show notes because they're amazing, thoughtful, funny people who make excellent content. Like MCU talk is lit. (laughs) My favorite person doing content around Loki right now is Amanda just vibing. And she Mm -hmm. does these great skits, which are Loki and Sylvie arguing, and Thor trying to break it up, and Thor always goes, siblings? Siblings? (laughs) Stop! (laughs) And just, like, vomits when he says the word sibling, and that is where you realize, oh, so it's not incest, but, like, they have the same brother, and the same parents, and they maybe shouldn't have a baby. Yeah, I think that... Well, for many reasons, they
1: shouldn't mm-hmm. have a baby, but one of them is genetic.
0: Yes. <laughs> Therapy you... twice a week, bitch. <laughs> right.
1: So can we, We? I want to hear your opinions about the relationship, whether it is appropriate. Um, are you rooting for it in any way? And I also want to talk about some more of the low-key TikToks
0: (laughs) yes okay so I when it first was hinted at I was I did not know what to think and I was initially just titillated by the prospect of something so shocking on a Disney show Mm -hmm. and I was curious how deep the rabbit hole would go it was so uh, there is There is a universe in which this would have been executed in a way that people would have enjoyed that relationship, even Uh if it was romantic. I hope that they never speak of it again. I hope that this is completely like Loki can never see her the same way again. I hope that he can have love for her, but his crush on her will be gone. Uh And I want to see... Loki and Mobius together. And it is... I I wouldn't have a problem with the relationship if not for the fact that it feels like to Disney, something adjacent to incest in a lot of people's minds is Mm -hmm. less taboo to put on screen than Mm -hmm. a same-sex relationship, which we have never seen. And they took a character who came out to lots of fanfare where Sylvie was asking Loki, like, you know, there must have been a princess or maybe a prince. And Loki says a bit of both. And that was such a huge (laughs) deal, but that was it. Right. IRL, bisexual people do not need to prove their bisexuality based on who they're in a relationship with you're still a bisexual if you've never been with anyone. You're still a bisexual if you've only been with the opposite gender. You're still a bisexual if you've only been with the same gender. But on TV, I want to see it. I want to see the gay shit because we never see it.
1: Yeah, if there was, you know, just plentiful representation out there, um, then fine. It doesn't have to be demonstrated. But like, it's not an act of supreme bravery to have one line of dialogue that some people might even miss um, and not discuss it further.
0: Mm -hmm. It's (laughs) plausible deniability. It's something that they could edit out in international markets that are even more hostile to gay shit than conservative America is. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And the last thing for now that I'll say about my reaction to it is like I don't know if this is queer baiting or not, or if this is the composer telling us like I see you. There's a song on the score that is called Lokius. Really? Mm-hmm. Written for the show. Yes. If you go on Spotify, the score is in two volumes, and it's in. It, it goes like the first half of the season and the second half of the season and there's one track that's called Lokius. I haven't matched it up to see where in the show it happens. Mm-hmm. But like that is a that's a choice to use sure. a ship name. And not I... call it, like Loki and Mobius talk. <laughs> right, right.
1: <laughs> I I really would love to see it, but I doubt it. I really do do you feel
0: like Tom and Owen would be down for it because I think they would I think that Tom for sure would I don't know about Owen Wilson are we projecting onto Owen Wilson though because I kind of have the same feeling but like why I've never like known Owen Wilson to be homophobic or problematic
1: No, but he's just been in so many like of your classic male buddy comedies that I think I ascribe like dude bro sort of um, ethos to him.
0: Yeah, this is already a different kind of role for him though. So I would- I'd love to see, I just want to see them together. Now kiss. (laughs) Now kiss.
1: (laughs) All right. Can we pivot and talk about
0: the taboo stuff yes to introduce the taboo topic because um self cest which is what people are calling it which I truly do not think is a thing Mm-mm. in the context <laughs> of Norse mythology is small potatoes so <laughs> if you're not aware of it let's go in hard on the taboo stuff and then like scale back to the taboos we see in contemporary romance. And I have a list of some taboos and some books that just come to mind immediately. In Norse mythology, the gods had hired a giant to build a big wall around Asgard. And they said that if the builder finished the wall in one winter, then they would get Freya. And they would get possession of the sun and the moon. So that's a good deal. You get a goddess and you get two celestial bodies. So the giant had this horse who was really good at his job at helping the builder. And they Uh were about to finish. So Loki changes himself into a mare and attracts the horse away from the task at hand, distracts him. They... Copulate mm-hmm. and Loki gives birth
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> to the eight legged horse slepner So, in that context, phoning uh-huh. <laughs> an opposite gender presentation version of yourself, not that scandalous, not that sure. weird <laughs> compared to uh gender be- bestiality. <laughs> Mm -hmm. so uh yes and now like pivoting to less odd taboos when you think (laughs) of taboo what do you think about immediately
1: i pretty much immediately think about bdsm
0: yeah do you think that bdsm is still as taboo as it was
1: no certainly not i mean it's definitely more part of the common vernacular i mean hell we have 50 shades of fucking gray which is whatever yeah but you know it introduced it into mainstream pop culture
0: Mm -hmm. why do you think that we are drawn to taboos
1: um I think that it's like a whole forbidden fruit thing like whatever you're not supposed to do of course you're drawn to it and I think it also has to do with um pushing established boundaries and experimenting with expression and probably
0: processing trauma. Yeah, that's a really good way to think about it. When I think of taboo and how I would describe it to someone, I think of what are the words that you would type into a certain website? Sure. Specifically (laughs) related to the plot you would like to see played out. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, taboo is super personal like to me i think that boss employee is extremely taboo i right. kind of stay away from it um i am not a fan of okay um i'm going to post a link to something that i just saw today which is the Simone scale taboo and basically <laughs> like at one end there's a taboo that you don't cross which is like pedophilia nazis bestiality you stay away from that but everything else falls on a continuum so i Uh think of um interspecies aliens yes animals no shifters and vampires yes but that might be more taboo to some people than others if you look at ruby dixon there's a ton of taboo stuff in her series like aphrodisiac exposure that makes people have sex and a for situation Uh owning people a breeding kink kidnapping tailplay um and recently um a lot of romance readers consider cheating extremely taboo right um and priests are one that i've been thinking about a lot recently after reading hot under his collar by andy j christopher which was, just did you so also good. read
1: some priest
0: pieces by Tiffany Rice? Yeah, Tiffany Rice's original series Sinner series. I only read book one, The Siren, but that has a Catholic priest who is a like subculturally well known dominant.
1: Mm, okay, who
0: is in a sexual relationship with a woman and I think in later books you find out with a man and Hmm. another woman so really really interesting taboo there and then there's some um there's some underage person stuff touched upon in the siren at least so yikes very much like that to me is a lot more scandalous than the priest stuff Sure. And it was presented in a way like one character saying this is fucked up and another character saying is it? And I side with the one who says it's fucked up.
1: <laughs> okay, let me ask you a question that you may or may not be able to answer. But you know how it's like um, squares are rectangles but not all rectangles are squares? Mm-hmm. Is there
0: kink that's not taboo? Is there kink that's not taboo? Mm -hmm. Or do they always go hand in hand? I think that there's taboo that is not kink. Sure. But I feel like most kink falls under taboo. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, so really common kink is a foot fetish. Yeah. And there's some interesting- See, Quentin Tarantino. (laughs) Yes. And there's an interesting correlation to like what gets crossed in the brain- because mm. it can very easily be a neurogenic zone in the brain. Mm. Um, I'm not sciency enough to really understand it or explain it. Um, but I think that I think that because everything can be a ta- taboo to someone,
1: mm-hmm.
0: anything that is a kink, a kink almost feels like it's something outside the norm, like something right. very specific that only some people get off on. Right. So if you are on TikTok any amount of time, you come to think that people are a lot kinkier than they let on. <laughs> uh, you know, back to the Tom Hiddleston TikToks, Right, like let's go there. That fucking harness and that scene where sits <laughs> feeds the crap out of him and he's on his knees, hands in the lap. <laughs> I can't, I can't.
1: Yeah, take a drink of water, cool off. (laughs) Honey, this isn't water. (laughs) Yeah, for me, the best part of the show was the harness. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) So should I cosplay Loki or Sylvie? Hmm. Okay, well, like, tell me about what your outfits would be. For each Sil-
0: Sylvie, would be just the outfit that she was in. So I would either do the headpiece with the broken horn, or I'm more drawn to the full horns, mm-hmm. even though it's not accurate to the show. And then, like, an all black and kind of green gold sort of tactical looking outfit. Mm-hmm. And then, Loki, it would be shirt, tie, harness. So mm. I, would, I would be like an actually gender-fluid Loki because I would be like a woman presenting more masculine. Sure. In outfit. So it would sure. be playing with the gender presentation a lot more. And Sylvie, it would be, I'm a cis woman, and I would be presenting as female. So it'd be less of a gender-bending cosplay.
1: Yeah. Um, I think if you had your button-up shirt tailored to death the way that Tom Middleton's is, that that would be the one.
0: Yeah, that's hard to do because I've got um, what Allie Michalka and Easy A referred to as, woohoo, big tits. <laughs> so button-down shirts are hard for me. <laughs> we have gotten so far off track. Okay. Um, <laughs> are there any taboos that you've read in books that you loved and were surprised about or any taboos that you've read that you hated (sighs) that i
1: hated um i'm while i obviously love the ice planet series Mm -hmm. the breeding kink is not for me Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i would say our most recent episode of neon gods where the kink is public sex again not super for me yeah um however and this is I guess to varying degrees taboo but the kiss quotient Mm -hmm. by Helen Wong um is a relationship that is at first a a sex work relationship Mm -hmm. and um that I was like oh hello Mm
0: mm-hmm But you could say there's a power imbalance there.
1: Yes, certainly. Although it does even out (laughs) in Mm -hmm. the end, um, which is maybe why I feel more okay about it. But Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. What about you?
0: So for me, um, I have some books that I liked at the time. And in hindsight, I am a bit more squicked out by. Mm -hmm. Um, This one I was squicked out by from the get-go. And the way that the author did it sold me on it. And now I'm kind of back to thinking like. I don't know how I feel about it. Okay, Unteachable. Which is by Elliot Wake. Writing as Leah Rader. Is a student. And a teacher. She's 18 when they hook up. And they don't know that they're. Going to be student and teacher. It is before the mm-hmm. full year starts. But it is not early rela- it continues the sexual relationship continues after that power imbalance is established and an Ooh. adult sleeping with a barely adult I think is always going to bother me because like yeah. why are you not drawn to someone closer to your age
1: mm-hmm. mm. having had someone in my life who was in that very kind of oh my god I always
0: forget this and I think (laughs) I forget it because I love you talking about it
1: (laughs) (laughs) um at the time when I was a fellow 18 year old I was like oh well you know it's fine we're adults we're all adults now it's fine and now shit
0: at 18
1: yeah in my early 30s I'm like no I didn't know Jackson. I didn't know my ass from my elbow exactly. it was definitely not okay for someone older than I am now to pursue a high school student
0: I cannot imagine being any in any way shape or form interested in a high schooler
1: yeah I think that's good
0: yeah <laughs> no absolutely not yeah um I think one that sort of challenged me because I don't think that it's my thing and I'm I'm kind of like I don't know if it could work but there are people who make it work is polyamorous relationships. Mm-hmm. Obviously that's not taboo to some people but to me it is right. taboo because I'm right. so like indoctrinated in like monogamy and I think about the concept of open relationships and I know that it would never work for me yeah but reading about it is very interesting i can see why it appeals to people i mean like yeah of course katie roberts does a great job with polyamorous and open relationships so like committed thruples and also a committed relationship that sometimes brings in other people Mm mm-hmm um A few other ones that I want to mention, Daddy Kings, I've recently read a couple of those. One was Forbidden Fling. It was by Kat Taylor, which is a pseudonym of Katie Robert. It was the filthiest thing I've ever read in my life. And that's saying something. It was filthy. And it was (laughs) a recent college graduate on vacation with her shitty boyfriend at her Mm -hmm. shitty boyfriend's dad's luxury home and while he's (laughs) off with his bros, she fucks his dad. (laughs) So there's the extra taboo of cheating. Um, I just finished listening to Katie Roberts, My Dad's Best Friend, which Uh is like an age gap and also a little bit of a daddy kink. Uh And then there's a book that we've talked about a lot a gentleman in the street by alicia rye that is a stepbrother romance a former stepbrother romance Uh and they were always attracted to each other and the stepsister would always flirt with the stepbrother when they were related to each other like hit on (laughs) him at their parents wedding kind of thing
1: i feel that that kind of thing disturbs other people more than it disturbs me probably because I know people talk about that with the movie Clueless Mm -hmm. for example but to me they aren't related uh, like genetically so I don't see what the big deal is but I guess it is a taboo
0: I think that it's more taboo with something like in the flash tv show i don't know why the flash has come up more than once recently (laughs) on our show but the flash barry is in love with iris and iris is for all intents and purposes his adopted sister because he was taken in by joe west when he when one parent died and the other parent went to prison and he is raised alongside Joe's daughter Iris who is the same age so he has always been in love with her and they grew up together and when they eventually get married there is one scene that makes me want to like shrivel up into myself where Iris (laughs) is remembering uh, like a moment that they comforted each other or she comforted him when they were still children and she says I think that that was the moment that we fell in love no first of all not accurate if you watch the show because she was not into him until (laughs) much later and second just (laughs) I can't even explain it
1: yeah that's kind of gross I guess Maybe I'm just thinking about it too much in the context of Clueless, where it's, like, two people who met each other as teenagers and don't live together and are only technically sort of siblings.
0: Yeah. I think that Clueless indoctrinated us, or normalized that for us, (laughs) where it doesn't feel that weird. Yeah. Do you have any other taboo books that you want to mention or any other taboos that like you haven't read but would read?
1: Um I mean
0: yeah, I'm pretty open in terms
1: of like I'll I'll try out different subgenres of romance. Um I think that Megan Hart tends to dabble in some stuff that I would not normally seek out, mm-hmm. um, but would possibly continue to read. I read a book by her that was um, not a romance. I don't know what it's called. Precious and Fragile Things. There's a lot of stuff that goes on in that book. Um, cheating, sort of. Um, kidnapping. <laughs> uh incest um murder (laughs) so it's like there's a lot happening in that book and I have very complicated feelings about it but it is something that has stuck with stuck with me so um I don't know if I would 100% recommend it
0: (laughs) but it's interesting there is a book that was blowing up a few years ago called all the ugly and beautiful things Mm-hmm. I haven't read it I owned it I got it from the book of the month and never got around to it but it's about like a very young woman a very young girl and a much older man and mm-hmm. their relationship and I have not read spoilers or anything I've had people who I feel are morally aligned with me mm-hmm. who read it and they felt like it really sold the relationship I would really? be very- like, if, you, if you're listening to this and you read all the ugly and beautiful things, uh, please hit us up on our socials because I'm curious, like, if you did read it, does it still hold up? Did it ever hold up? Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's the kind of thing that, like, just the thought of it makes me very uncomfortable. But speaking of Megan's yes. heart, I have one of her books listed here. Um, the Space Between Us has a thruple. And- okay. A little bit of voyeurism
1: mm-hmm.
0: um that one is technically a romance because of how it ends but like all megan hart books it is very angsty uh, and twisty she one, yes she has one book that's like ghost sex and <laughs> i didn't finish it um i think it's called deeper and then she has um tear you apart which is about an affair not a romance doesn't end with the couple together but she if if you're interested in taboo she was actually a big gateway for me into romance Mm -hmm. I should mention way backtracking to the Elliot Wake book that I mentioned there was some controversy with Elliot Wake a few years ago regarding being racially problematic specifically to black women so read at your own risk he is a really talented writer and does deal with squeaky subjects in a way that's really interesting like his book cam girl has to do with a borderline abusive relationship and with dubious consent if you consider identity deception to be Mm. dubious consent yeah it has to do with an internet relationship um, definitely an author who made me think a lot about what I want to accomplish with my writing and made me rethink the genre that I wanted to write in because mm-hmm. I always wanted to be like a Ernest Hemingway circle jerk kind of writer. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that, you know, I can write what I want to write about, which is relationship focus in a way that feels literary. Yeah. But yeah he in himself has become a taboo Hmm. because people don't really talk about him the way that they used to right
1: (laughs) i don't have anything else (laughs) okay
0: all right so i think that that's about it i realize over the course of us doing a bunch of podcast episodes that i really like sort of taboo things But I think that like not nearly as taboo as what's out there and available. So if you have any, if the listeners have any recommendations on taboo romances to check out, I am kind of in the mood to explore some darker stuff. And I fucking love Katie Robert, but like, I know that there's more dark romance and taboo writers out there than Katie Robert. So I would love to explore. Yeah, yeah. I, I
1: have one series that our, uh, consultants expert has recommended to Ooh, us. Dr. That is Dr. Falcons, um, the hot Texas bosses series.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, there's three books. They all have to do with, um, billionaire cowboys and, um, uh, BDSM elements, um, so I don't know. It seems like it's going to touch on a lot of things as, as far as like Southern masculinity and, um, sexual dominance and that kind of thing.
0: That sounds kind of interesting. Now, Southern masculinity is something that in itself feels taboo to me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> as a non-white woman. So I, I'd be very interested in. If it's toxic it, or not. If it's toxic or not. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. I really want to hear from y'all. So I want to know what taboo romances you loved, which ones you felt were irredeemable or you just weren't into. Uh, All our socials listed in the show notes. You can go to our website, makeoutalreadypod.com. I'll list as many of the books that we mentioned as I can catch in the editing phase. I'll drop the handles of the TikTok content creators that I've mentioned and maybe a few like kink talkers
1: who I think are
0: making good, informative, fun content. You're here. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, Mm -hmm. air kisses.